There's been a break-in at Democratic headquarters. They were bugging the place. Woodward, Bernstein, you're both on the story now. Get out. Redford. I'm Bob Woodward of the Washington Post. Mr. Markham, are you here in connection with the Watergate burglary? I'm not here. Hoffman. Hi, uh, this is Carl Bernstein of the Washington Post, and I was just wondering if you can remember... All the President's Men. Welcome to Out of Theaters, the podcast that reviews the movies of yesteryear, this year. My name is Billy Colbuff, and I'm here with my good friend and film critic, Will Pfeiffer. Will, hello there. Hi, Billy. This week's movie is the 1975? Six. 76 classic, All the President's Men. But first, let me ask you, have you seen any good movies lately? I have seen a good movie, and what's more, and I know you, streaming Joe. <laughs> I've been called worse. I'm going to probably disagree, but I I own this on physical media, and I'm going to make the case that this is a movie that you need to own on physical media. What movie would that be, The movie would be John Waters. Oh, no. I know. 1981 (laughs) classic polyester. I'm holding it up for Billy, although I realize you people don't uh, hear, but I'm holding up the relatively new Criterion collection you know criterion if you don't know i'm sure you've heard billy make fun of it but criterion is a very highbrow label they got their start in the laser disc era you know putting out citizen kane they just did a giant ingmar bergman box set for hundreds of dollars collecting all his you know all these difficult swedish art films i mean they're known for you know they collect foreign silent films and and very you know, highbrow movies. And so far, they've released not one, not two, but three John Waters movies. And the idea that John Waters has the Criterion stamp of approval amuses me to no end. Before you talk about your 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 inferior argument about physical media, could you please explain to me what is polyester? Poly- because the co- the cover here looks... The I'm cover cringing. I'm has, cringing. It has uh, Divine, John Waters' most frequent star, and Muse, one may say. Divine was a drag queen. Uh, played a uh, real name was uh, uh Glenn Milstead, a okay. uh, guy. Uh, mo- almost all John Waters actors were people he knew in Baltimore, knew since he was a teenager. He grew up making very low budget movies, graduated to slightly higher budget, but still no budget movies like Female Trouble, Pink Flamingos, and Polyester. Believe it or not, is his first um, actual studio film. It was still very low budget. Came out in 1981. Who's the studio? I believe it was, I want to say New Line, maybe, oh, okay. which was a smaller studio. Yeah, but, but they did They did uh, Friday the 13th or, or, or Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. This is before then. But, okay. um, and, uh, you know, he was, a you know, used to have midnight movies and John Waters movies would be the kind of play there, you know, teenagers would go or college students. I saw most of his movies in college for the first time. Very sort of, you know, this movie was rated R, which was a very... A family-friendly rating for John Waters. Usually, his movies were unrated or rated X, sure. just for violence, and sex, and all that kind of stuff. Very—they're the kind of movies I, I best heard it once described. Pink Flamingos, which is arguably his most notorious movie, is the feeling you have when first time you see it is, "Oh my God!" If my parents knew what I was watching right now, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just crazy, insane movies. But anyway, Polyester is very much sort of a satire of a soap opera kind of a plot. Divine plays a housewife who's put upon her husband is having an affair and her kids are bad. And then she falls in love. This guy named Todd Tomorrow comes and sweeps her away to a life of romance. And Todd Tomorrow is played by Tab Hunter, who was an actual, I know you probably haven't heard him. Tab Hunter was an actual movie star in the studio era. He's slightly past his prime here. Okay. But I mean, he was, the idea that Tab Hunter was co-starring with divine when this came out people were like what the hell has happened to what tab would hunter? Be a, what would be a modern comp to to tab hunter now um you know it's weird they really maybe somebody like a zach efron or maybe i mean because tab hunter comes from an era when the studios would make a real hunky kind of you know a, a guy that all the women could fall in love with the romantic leads that kind of thing now the irony is is that tab hunter like you know, more than a few stars back then. Tab Hunter was gay. Sure. And the studio 
hid that fact, set him up on fake dates and everything. Yeah, like the James Dean treatment or the uh, uh, like Rock, Rock Hudson. Hudson. Rock yeah. Hudson. Well, James yeah. Hudson, James Dean had like all these like weird fake engagements. He, he and had things. all kinds like, of stuff. Yeah, he was. I mean, not that not there's anything wrong with that. I think he was bi. Right? I think he was. He was everything. Sure. But Tab Hunter had a longer career, and he was in some. He was in the movie Damn Yankees. So he was in some big movies. And um, he's. Uh, I've seen interviews. With Tab Hunter said that he loved doing this movie. He loved working with John Wanders. He loved Divine as his leading lady. I mean, he just had a blast with it. He just sure. thought it was a fun kind of thing. So, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Did you really, I no, just, Zach Efron. You're saying body type, but I meant more like. No, I mean like a, a romantic lead that's that the the ladies love. Zach Zach Efron is still very famous. I know. Well, Tab Hunter was very famous. I thought you were saying he day. was past his prime. Oh, you you didn't mean past his like artistic prime you meant like he's just getting older well i mean yeah i mean if you would take a take somebody who was really popular once i'm trying i can't think of one offhand because okay, they really no don't problem. have those kind of no stars problem. anymore but but he you know he was a, he a jim was, carrey maybe like no but a more like a just a romantic lead and he was a big hollywood star i mean people thought of tab hunter as a guy who would star in you know movies in the 60s sort of yeah so, he, so him starring in this really you know it's it's a crazy strange dark satire it was a weird thing for it was weird for John Waters to get a star that famous. Yeah. Um, nowadays he's had like Kathleen Turner's been in his movies, Melanie Griffith, and, and people like that. But this was the first one. The reason, because um, we don't need to talk about polyester all night, but uh, the reason I think you need this as physical media though is because polyester is not just a movie. Polyester was filmed in the process of Odorama. <laughs> now John Waters, he's a huge movie fan, and he loves. William Castle was a director and producer, and he would make movies with gimmicks like Emerjo, where like the theaters would be rigged so a ghost would like come out on wires from the screen and all this stuff. And and Percepto, where there'd be like there would actually some of the theater seats would be rigged to jolt you. Yeah. Like so it was all those gimmicks. Now John Waters wanted to do a gimmick, but he couldn't do that. The budget he had no budget. Yeah. So uh, Odorama. When you go see the movie and when you buy the Criterion DVD, you get a little Odorama card that has 10 scratch and sniff stickers on it. Sure. Now, as you're watching the movie during certain scenes, a number will flash on the screen. And the idea is you scratch it and then you're smelling what they're smelling How on the screen. How does that not drive you crazy? Like, I, I'm surprised you're cool with that. Why? Well, I mean, to put a big number on the screen, it's such It's fun. A it's all part of the, the gimmick. It's yeah. all part of the experience of the movie. And I mean, being a John Waters movie, I think it starts with roses. It doesn't stay with roses for the, you know, number <laughs> one may be a fairly innocuous one, but yeah, you can yeah, guess yeah. where it goes. That's funny. Is but John I Waters can't think alive? of a way streaming that you would be able to experience Odorama. Yeah, that's, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. We should stop streaming. Just end it. Just cut it off. That's right. Otherwise, that's we not be- what I'm saying. But this is, I think, a good example of why <clears throat> physical media is John Waters still alive. Oh yeah. Does he still do anything? He writes a lot. Oh, okay. And he um he does like live uh, like speeches and stuff. He's a very funny guy. I feel like I saw him like I, I saw some clip of him creating the making of um the the what's the Pink Flamingos Pink Flamingos and he looked like. Like a young James Franco, kind of like he was. I a mean, scruffy. In those of, days, he was like a dirty hippie kind of looking. Yeah. You know, long hair. Although he like kind of hated hippies, he was more like an angry kind of. His yeah. his. I mean, Pink Flamingos. Even now, when you watch it, you're like, "Wow, what am I watching?" Yeah. Um. Now he's sort of grown into like an elder statesman kind of a thing. He has very refined tastes in movies, and is he? Does he, he's like got. Like the the upper, the, the he has a very yeah. The classic John Waters mustache is just like somebody took a pencil and just drew it off over across the top of his. Lip. Got it, got it. I met him in college when he they showed, uh, they showed Pink Flamingos on I think Thursday night and Polyester on Friday night, and he was there for Polyester. And then I have another, I have an actual bigger Odorama card that they gave us, and I have it signed by John Waters. Well, that's kind of cool. And I will, I'll say this about um Pink Flamingos without giving anything away. Is a, a friend of mine had seen John Waters used to do David Letterman all the time. He'd be on. He's very funny. Very, he's a great talk show guest because he yeah. has great stories. He's very witty. And my friend just loved John Waters on those. So when we heard he was coming, he's like, "We got to go see those movies." We went to see Pink Flamingos. My friend did not want to meet John Waters after that. Wow. He did not. He was so offended. He did not go to see Polyester and the, the and the talk with John Waters. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm. I know. I have a feeling because Criterion has released. Um, 
Multiple Maniacs, Female Trouble, and this. And I'm sure they have Pink Flamingos waiting in the wings. Sure. So that's a it's an interesting contrast to lead a, <laughs> a show about such a serious Oscar worthy movie. Right, like Oscar, all the like prestigious that. star. This is a prestige movie based on a politically important best selling book. Contrasted with the divine going filth. I am filth. Filth. <laughs> it's a great line in Pink Flamingos when she said, they say, state your politics. She goes, kill everyone now. Condone first degree murder. <laughs> Someday we'll do Pink Flamingos and I'll watch Billy's head just fall from his body. <laughs> but anyway. Let's transition to this week's movie. Yes. The 1976 classic, All the President's Men. You know the results of the latest Gallup poll? Half the country never even heard of the word Watergate. Nobody gives a shit. You guys are probably pretty tired, right? Well, you should be. Go on home. Get a nice hot bath. Rest up 15 minutes. Then get your asses back in gear. We're under a lot of pressure, you know, and you put us there. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. But if you guys fuck up again, I'm going to get mad. And I think we can agree, this one is a classic. Yeah, I love this movie. It's based, of course, on uh, the best-selling book by reporter, Washington Post reporters, um, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. And it is all about the downfall of the Nixon administration, Nixon White House, because of a burglary that happened at the Watergate Hotel. And then the reporters peel away the layers of the onion to find out who was behind it and who was behind them and who was behind them. And it's it's a it's a very process-oriented journalism movie. I mean, this is one of the great journalism movies of all time, I would agree. I, I, it's in the family of the movie we did two weeks ago, 12 Angry Men, where it, it's a talkie with a lot of like step-by-step sure. uh, like minutiae. Um, and it I, has two guys in it. it has uh, Jack Warden and Martin Balsam. That's right. I, I recognize Balsam. It's all kind of weird. And yeah, it, well, it was. It's a very seventies movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and journalists have never been the best dressed guys in the. You room. know, one of my favorite things about the movie was seeing the Washington Bullets stickers on a couple of people's cues. That's right. Going, oh yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. Like, I remember that. I remember when they said they should change the name because it was too violence. Prone. They just. I mean, they, I don't think. And they, the joke was, they said, "Well, we can't leave the name Washington off." <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I think the owner came up with that, though. I don't think that was... No, I'm just... It's like, just uh, that's it, an old That joke. wasn't an external pressure. I think the, the bullets were like... They felt bad about it their seems, name. Yeah, it seems an yeah. old name. So, all right. Uh, let me... I want to I want to praise this movie a lot, but I, I have one complaint about it. Of course, Billy it. hates one thing about it. One thing that I think was pretty flagrant, like that I, I think... Well, let's talk about that first, then. Yeah, I want to start because I want I want to spend the rest of it really being positive. I think this movie's really good. Uh and not that this whole show has to be like, what do I think? But it, it, it's it's well, it's half. What do you think? This is the first <laughs> time I've seen this movie, um, which kind of amazes me. But yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, uh, both because it's a clay movie and because it's a journalism movie, and we are both former journalists. journalists. Yeah, I don't know. Like the the first journalism movie I really got into was Shattered Glass. Sure, that's a good movie. Um, I've seen Spotlight. I mean, all those movies they're all they're all kind of Zodiac of the same is a family. journalism yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, Zodiac's got some weird side stuff, but it's I mean, but it's, it's like essentially a, a process with journalism. with while well, we see the murders, you know, like right. Uh, like, although we do see the Watergate, we do see in, it so. starts with, and I want to say I think the the cops or the guard play themselves. Like oh, I forget really? how it is. Gotcha. But the thing that drove me crazy about all the president's men is. It's long, right? It's a two sure. and a half hour movie, I think, mm-hmm. two twenty or something like that. Um, it, it's and it's filled with minutia. And then we get to the end, and they just kind of go, and then Nixon eventually resigned. And there's this like little typewriter montage thing for a couple right. of minutes that I really felt when it ended. I was like, it was like a stomach punch. I was like, really? You're well, not gonna like get me right up there? But that, let me. Okay, I'm not. That's g- it. And I'm not even okay. like throwing my hands up like it's a huge deal. I just was. I was really disappointed. The re- here's why they did that is because and um. The book was written by, or the screenplay rather, was written by William Goldman, who is a legendary screenwriter, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He wrote The Princess Bride. He wrote, you know, he's legendary screenwriter and he wrote the script. And um, I've read articles he's written about writing this script. And he said that it was very, it was a hard script to crack. Like, because the book was a huge bestseller. 
And the book is very process oriented. I can't believe, by the way, the timing of all this, like Nixon resigning to the book getting published. Yeah. I mean, it's all like a year. It's yeah, it's it, very it's quick. so yeah. fast. Well, I mean, and it was the book was based on their article. So they were kind of writing a rough. But, but yeah, anyway. but could you could you imagine like in, in February having like the Trump impeachment book uh-huh. out and then the movie coming out by like July? Like Please. that would seem insane. Please How would you have even the do same that? ending. <laughs> but anyway, um, but he said the reason it was hard to write is one, it's very complicated. Two, um, they had to write it fast. And three, everyone knew the ending. This isn't a movie where you would have a surprise ending. So he decided to focus on specifically getting to this point where Deep Throat sort of confirms what they know, get to the point where it kind of ends with them realizing their lives are in danger, but they're on the very right track. And then then it it does end with like a montage of, you know, Nixon's on TV and the typewriter starts. Right, because Nixon's being re-inaugurated. There's a really, that shot is awesome. Yeah. Where it's like they, they're filming, the last shot of the movie is, uh, it's just a very slow zoom. And um, Woodward's in the background. They're both in the background. Yeah, but they're both in the background typing. You, it, I didn't notice them at first. Mm-hmm. I, I, you focus on Nixon like clapping and smiling as, as the America, he got re-inaugurated. He got re-elected, yeah, and this is his re-inauguration. And the more the camera pans in, you see Woodward and Bernstein doing their jobs in the background just typing see, away. I love that because it's like it. he's, Nixon is here, but the wheels are in motion. The wheels are, and but, then it does, it does the, it, it just shows AP like a, an old type. Yeah, like the nutgraph kind of thing. Yeah. Like the, you and, know. It, and it ends with, you know, it says like, you know, Dean and um, Ehrlichman and Haldeman, like all his, all the, all the president's men, you know, indicted facing six months jail. Da, 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 you da, know, da. the thing that didn't work for me is there, there, it's not like everybody's name is like Smith or Johnson. These guys have like pretty interesting names. I didn't, I couldn't remember who any of these people well, were. And again, I, that's a valid argument. But remember, back when this movie was made, there was no cable. There was no videotape. They were making it for a movie. If you went to see this movie, because this movie is not for kids. Yeah. Adults would go see Not that it's dirty, but adults would go yeah, see it. Yeah, it's the topic. <laughs> kids would not find this no. interesting. <laughs> adults knew who Haldeman Ehrlich. They knew all those names yeah. because they'd been in the news constantly. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's right. why they yeah, did I mean, it. And it kind of works like now when we're, you know, we have like Vinman at the impeachment for, for Trump. We had, you know, these names that sure. I, I recognize now. Yeah. And you would, you would have known them back then. And yeah. I, I mean, it's a valid point, but especially if you've ever seen it before, you're kind of expecting more. Yeah, I, as a as a movie, you know, I'm watching it 40 years after it yeah. came out, right? I I was such a bummer. I was like, no, I want a sequel. Give me more. Well, like, let me let me just. And I I love the way it ends. I love how it just it it ends boom and it quick and punches and the last thing you see is Nixon to resign. Da da. I had the same sort of effect reading the book, which I read. After I saw the movie, I was, and the book is much more in depth and the book is, it's a real page turn. It's really fascinating, but it does kind of end like the movie. Yeah. In fact, I think it ends before the movie ends, but there is another book. They wrote a sequel called The Final Days that goes into great detail about how those last days like ended and like the pressure for Nixon to resign and all this. So I highly recommend reading both this book and The Final Days. I will add it to my queue. I've been. Seriously, they're, they're, and I think as a journalist, you'll like it because a lot of it. You know, a lot of this movie is about just the boring grunt work of being a journalist. So let's let's talk about that. Uh, I was amazed at as a journalist, all they had to do was get notes. I always that happens in Shattered Glass too, where he's like, "I want to see." He wants to uh, uh, see notes. What's the guy's name from The Simpsons? Uh, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria is the boss of... Homer? No, no, no. Hank Azaria right, is, he is, is the boss of Stephen Glass. I forget his real name, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I forget it too. Although I think he died in Iraq. He did, yeah. Um, as like a, like he went to serve as like an older man. Like he, I don't think he was that young. No, I think he's a reporter. He wasn't a soldier, I don't think. I, maybe, you I think know he what? was press. But anyway, he did yeah. die. Yeah, but, uh, um, and he, the first thing he says is, let me see your notes. Let me see your notes. And I just can't imagine. I don't know. I guess I, I was like reporter adjacent. I was a copy editor and a graphic well, artist. If you're and, working on a big story like this, they're going to want to see some notes. Man. I would, it would be more like, I want to hear your tape. Well, but they you don't know? have, this is a, I mean, yeah, 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 this is know. an era where they typed everything up on a I'm, typewriter. I'm not questioning that yeah. at all. Like, but the idea that like, Hey, we got it on, we got a note. We feel good about it. Like this, you somebody said it? it like, that's, they it was, just amazed me. Like, it was kind of fun. Like looking at this, like how, how. What a pain in the ass it must have been to be a reporter. It did. Well, I mean, there's a great scene when they have to find, oh, is it Kalmbach? There's a, they get a name, a name on a check. 
Uh, uh, the guy from Minnesota. Yeah, and they're but they don't know he's from Minnesota. Right. They, they don't just know, know a name. Yeah. And he says, "I need you to track down this name." So they cut the Woodward in the newspaper little library room, just looking through phone books, hoping to find this. While name. he has the librarian, this the Washington yeah, Post librarian. And she pulls one photo out of the morgue. Do you remember we had a librarian at the register? Store? I sure do. That, I, I, never... I remember several. I mean, I was there long enough where we had several different gotcha. librarians. But yeah, we and we. Ha- I was telling Amy because we were watching together. We had a row. We had a shelf of phone books from all over the country. Yeah, that, that it's would... just amazing. I, I... I, I mean, now you would, of course, d- 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 Google it and find it in two seconds in who two, this person everything is. Would be, there's, okay. Anyway, it, it just caught me off guard uh, how the notes matter. The other thing that's really stuck out to me, um, and I want to get into our, you know, let's talk about the characters. Let's talk about the director. But uh, I was amazed at the journalism literacy of all the people they were talking to. And I, I think that comes with the fact that those characters lived in Washington. I would agree. Yeah. But I also think... Today, people do not understand the function of journalism because it's been gutted so they badly. Don't. Exactly. They don't understand like that the reporter doesn't... I mean, they might have their own bias, right? Like, you might be a liberal or a conservative. Well, and Woodward points out, he's a Republican. Yeah, but yeah. your job, does it doesn't matter. Exactly. You set that aside, and that's that's integrity. Yeah. And people today don't no. understand that at all. They're looking for anything. If you... If you once voted Democrat or something exactly. once, like, now you're clearly the enemy. I know. Like, I there, know. There's a level of decorum. Uh, in this movie that like, you know, they they call these people that they're trying to bust or trying to out. Yeah. And they, they tell them, this is what we're going to report. Yeah, I'm you, giving you a chance to respond. And the the they can't believe that's what you're going to write. He like, calls Mitchell, who was the former attorney general of the United States. Sir, this is Carl Bernstein of the Washington Post. And I'm sorry to disturb you at this hour. Tomorrow we're running a story and uh, in the paper. And we just think that you should have a chance to comment on it. John and Mitchell, while serving as United States Attorney General, personally controlled a secret cash fund that was used to gather information about the Democrats, according to sources involved in the Watergate investigation. Beginning in the spring of 1971, almost a year before he left the Justice Department to become President Nixon's campaign manager, on March 1, Mitchell personally approved withdrawals from the fund. All that crap! You putting it in the paper? Well... Look, it's all been denied. You tell your publisher, tell Katie Graves you're going to get a tit caught in the big ring if that's published. Good Christ, that's the most sickening thing I ever heard. Sir, I just wonder if I could ask you some questions. But what time is it? It's 11.30, sir. 11.30? Morning and night. It's 11.30 at night, sir. That's the true quote when Mitchell is possibly drunk, we don't know, and he says, you tell Katie Graham, who was the publisher of the Post, she's going to get her tit caught in a big ringer. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. and that's like a famous quote, and he really said that. Yeah, and then yeah. Bradley's looking over, he's like, cut out tit, you know, yeah, yeah, family yeah, yeah. paper. I like he says in that conversation, too, that Mitchell says, what time is it? He goes, 11. He goes, a.m. or p.m. A.m. or p.m. <laughs> I, I mean, but it's great. And you like, you know, and he, and, you know, you think about calling the former attorney general you know he's going to be pissed. And you're like, oh, we have a story of me running in the paper. And if you get a reaction. And he kind of says it so offhandedly, knowing he's going to go ballistic. Yeah. It's, he starts, while he's telling him it, uh, Mitchell is like, he's like what? 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 Are you serious? What? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's such. A, and when they made the movie, they, you know, they recreated the look of the Washington Post perfectly. They, like, brought trash out from the Washington Post. And, yeah. and it feels, I mean, you've been in a newsroom. It's a bigger newsroom than we worked in. But it it feels like I've, a I've newsroom. Worked in some, I've worked for the Orlando Sentinel. I mean, they're big, big newsrooms. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how how endless everything feels. And those budget meetings, because they have the, the budget meeting when they're talking about what's going on the front page, what's going on one, what's going on national, what's going on local. I mean, that just feels, even at the register start, it has that feel where it's a bunch of people around just kind of casually bullshitting, joking, but arguing for their stories. And yeah, there's and a, com- a competitiveness because they sure. want, you know, locals like I want my stuff in there, not national. Yeah. And you know what? This I am so sorry. I'm Kevin Haas, if you're listening, our, our friend who is the editor of the Register Star. Former uh, that, uh, out of theaters. Former host of this show. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, well, let's say co-host. I, yeah, fair enough. Well, he was like the he was the he was the QB. He would he's the play by play. I remember being at the Register Star and having to sit in meetings where editors would argue why like the pet of the day should be the centerpiece, you know, big story on the cover, and how that'll get eyeballs and that'll get whatever. And just the realization that like what I was doing didn't matter 
compared to watching this movie where you're like, these people are like breaking world news, you know, like I just I can't believe what I thought I was doing was journalism compared to what this movie I used to have to be in the meetings because I was either representing the features department or the graphics department at various times. Yeah. And at one point, um, I forget, I think they were, I think when I switched from graphics to features and they said, well, we already have the features editor in here. So I'm like, do I have to even come? And one of our editors, Gail Baldwin, said, no, we want you to come because you make good jokes. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. But yeah, it's a it's a great journalism movie, you know. And plus, it let's be honest, it makes journalists look great. Yeah, I mean, we're saving the country, you know. We're standing up against the bad guys in the White House, and and this movie and the book and the whole Woodward Bernstein glamour. If you journalism schools had huge attendance jumps after all this came out, I believe it that. was huge, and it lasted until the time. I was th- I went to journalism school in 1985. There was still like residuals from that. Yeah, uh, it's fun to watch the characters. You, all right, I, I think it makes them look good, but it also shows just like what grunt work it is. It does. I mean, uh, uh, so let's talk about the characters. And actually, I want to let's start with Redford. Um, who is he playing? Bob and, and What do you think of his performance? Well, he's. I mean, it's he's good. He's like sort of you know. I mean, he's Red Redford got you know. This is Redford's movie in a lot of ways. He's the one who bought the rights, or he produced it. He got the rights to the book. I didn't he, know that. He hired uh, Goldman to write it. I think. I think Redford had a lot to get this movie made. Okay. Um, and he's you know I mean he's the he's the newer reporter because when he he stumbles on this story because he's working weekend cops essentially and this starts as a cop story yeah it starts a cop story there's been a break in at Democratic headquarters in fact at the beginning Woodward says like you know he's been woken up to tell to go to court and and he says like is it you know local headquarters like no national headquarters but he gets the story you know he finds out that. Some of the burglars, like one of them has ties to the CIA. They have all these high-powered lawyers and this money behind him. He and finds so, out by sitting in the courtroom. Yeah, just sitting in the courtroom and bugging this one guy who's there repeatedly. Who's like a famous attorney or he's, or he's, he's the attorney for somebody who's connected. Somebody who's connected, but he's not the attorney of record for them. And right. Woodward just, I mean, this is what he, he just keeps nagging him mm-hmm. and he keeps pissing him off, but eventually he gets the story he wants. I mean, and he's the one, you know, you know, Robert Redford was a huge glamorous movie star at this point, but he was, you know, he's he's the one who meets Deep Throat, who turns out he's the source within. Who, do we? Do they revealed that name like last year, right? Who it's Mark Felt, who was, I think, assistant director of the FBI, maybe. Okay, so yeah. a high up administrator in the FBI. Right. But that was a huge. I mean, there were people who thought we would never find out who yeah. Deep Throat was. I mean, there were people who said there wasn't. No, like a lot of Republicans said there is no Deep Throat. They made that up. Yeah. It's a bunch of sources. Right. And that's what they say. But it turns out it was a guy. In this movie, it, even, a, even the quoted sources now with their names on record, they're like, that's a fake person. Exactly. Fake new, okay. So it's whatever. Fake uh, one thing I noticed about Redford in particular, so he's he's striking. He's like a handsome man. He's a he's, hunky guy, man. His, his face is not perfect. He's got bumps. And he's like, got some pie. He had some yeah. kid acne or something. You can yeah. see it where he he's like a flawed man and it makes him look rugged. I was and really, this, I was like, and this movie ha- directed by Alan Pacula, and I believe cinematography was uh, our boy Gordon Willis, was it? I don't know. Uh, Prince of Darkness. But anyway, um, uh, it has like a, you know, like we were talking last week about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles has a certain slickness. I mean, this is a 70s movie and it has a certain grittiness and... I had a hard time getting a screenshot off of my copy because it just, everything looks so, it looks like the photos are low res, but it's yeah. like, no, that's just the way it looks. That's just the way it is. It's the way it was lit. It was Gordon Willis. And it's a very dark movie in a lot of places and this and that. I was but, talking about his face and how he's kind of rugged and. Yeah. I mean, oh, but well. he's a glamour boy. You know, he, uh, let's just say this. He looks a lot better than, I mean, the real Bob Woodward is not an ugly man, but he is no Robert Redford. Sure. For one thing, he's not blonde. Redford's <laughs> hair. I was so jealous. Yeah, it, I was just like, God, it's so thick. It's, it's great having hair like that. Oh, people. <laughs> Come on, help me out. $10,000 out of theater's audience. I want hair restoration. If we get $10,000, we're not spending it on saving what's left of your hair. I have lots of hair still. It's not what's left. I have I have well over 80% of my hair. Hmm. I don't have ninety nine point eight like you. Will Will his hair looks like Ed Asner in Up? It's just like a solid <laughs> block of black on top. It doesn't of his look head. like Ed Asner in real life. It no, like but Ed it's Asner. just it's ridiculous. Except it's still mostly brown. Great, <laughs> just great. Speaking, speaking of brown haired fellows, how about uh, our other boy, uh, 
Dustin uh, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Friend of the show. We saw him I, last in uh, The Graduate. That's how it works. <laughs> I mean, and he, Dustin Hoffman is the guy who grew up on the post, essentially. He's been there forever. You know, he was a kid, whatever, working on, you know, Cub Reporter he or whatever. He was Kevin Haas. But he was, he was Kevin Haas. He was running around the newsroom. and uh, <laughs> But he's the one who, he and Redford, you know, their little meet cute, as we like to say, is when he... He goes and gets some sources, and then he takes. He's like, he, you got, "Who's he, the he?" You got to clarify. I'm sorry, uh, Bernstein. All right, so Hoffman, Bernstein Hoffman. He he tracks down a few sources to you know because he's got he's got sources. He's been there forever. He gets Woodward's you know takes one of his stories and he starts typing it up and correcting it. And Woodward's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Well, I don't think you mean what you say," and this and that. And so Woodward's pissed that he he says, "I hate." I don't like. I don't mind what you're doing, but I hate how you did it. And he that's when they team noses up. Noses his way into the story. That's when they fall in love. How's it going? What are you doing? Caution. What? Caution. What's wrong with it? Nothing. Nothing. It's good. Then what are you doing with it? I'm just helping. It's a little fuzzy. May I have it? I don't think you're saying what you mean. I know exactly what I mean. Not here. I can't tell from this whether Hunt works for Colson or Colson works for Hunt. May I have it? Please? Some of your conclusions. May I have it? Yes, I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not looking for a fight either. I'm just aware of the fact that you've only been here nine months. But you <laughs> need him because he has, you know, they they both have, they both have very good like redeeming qualities. They because Redford is and they did write the, you know they wrote the book this is based on. So yeah, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. That's that's a very good point. But the idea that Redford says to him, uh, "Hey man, you know, by the way, I mixed them up. Like I, Bernstein is absolutely Hoffman. That makes sense to me. But I just I gotta make that connection because I keep thinking Redford, Woodward, Redford. Right? They sound like at one point doesn't um the edit what's the editor's name Ben he calls him Woodstein. Doesn't he call him Woodstein? Yeah, <laughs> he calls him Woodstein <laughs> when they really screw up. Woodstein. <laughs> That's funny. I thought that was a good joke. It is great, and it's good because I mean, you know, I've been yelled at by an editor. I'm sure you've been yelled at by an editor, and you when you have to make that walk across the newsroom, like. What do they want? What do they want? It's uh, that sucks. It's I've, no fun. And they they really screwed shut up. Shut the door. Have a seat. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing in the world. It's uh, not good. I thought they both kind of played off each other well. They they become like an odd couple. You know, they, it they is. sort of finish each other's thoughts. It's both a odd couple. It's a buddy movie. It's kind of a romantic comedy in a way because there's no other romance in the movie. You know, um, uh, one other thing Goldman said when he was writing this is. Uh, Bernstein was married to Nora Ephron at the time. Now, Nora Ephron was a big screenwriter. She wrote When Harry Met Sally, and she wrote a couple other, you know, she wrote... Bernstein was? No, his wife. No, 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 no but Bernstein was married to, to Nora Ephron. That's, that feels like a huge deal. Well, what? It was back then. But he, he was considered, just in the movie at least, he's just like... Well, this is later. Oh, he they got married after this. After, after he... After they this. both became nationally famous because of Watergate. And, and then, then he married her. Right. I, I, I thought they but, just left that out of the movie that he was married to her. No, no, not like, then. That is insane. No. But then they, apparently at one point, William Goldman was working on the script and they said, here's a script we wrote. We'd like you to look at it. And he like, as a screenwriter in the union, you can't, you know, I don't want to see it. But there was a lot more romance for Bernstein in the version they wrote. Like, oh, there was a lot sure. more personal life of Bernstein in there. Sure. In fact, there's a scene where Bernstein goes to meet with a guy played by Ned Beatty, and he can't get in, he can't get in, so he fakes a call to the secretary so she'll leave, so he sneaks in. That is completely made up, apparently. That whole scene is? That was something that Bernstein wrote, or Bernstein make, made up. To make himself seem more... Seem like gotcha. cool, like a little cool trick that he played and all that. Oh, man. All I could see, when I watched that, I, this is your effect on me. All I, you, you are messing with forces of nature. I, <laughs> I was like... Ed Beatty had a hell of a time back then. That network, he's the same yeah, year? same year. That's what I'm Couple saying. Couple years after Deliverance? Apparently, uh, Beatty, like, came into network after they fired the first guy. Yeah. And he was just there for, like, the one day. He has the one day. And he he got an Oscar nomination for the it's one fantastic. day. He's so, great. Um, speaking of Oscar nominations, um, uh, Ben Bradley, the editor, played by Jason Robards, okay, who is um, I mean, this is like when you when you like think of an editor in a movie, this is the guy you think of. He did he win the Oscar? He was nominated, um, but he's great, and he he's only in a few scenes, but he really uh he really makes the most of it. You know, he tells some story. He's first he tells him they don't have the story and then he yells at him and then he sticks by him and then at the end he's the one they go to when they say our lives are in danger and he has he has a great speech maybe you could play a clip of it at the end where he's like oh there's not much uh, writing on this except the future of the country and the first amendment and da, da, that's da, da, a quote cool, i actually knew that quote outside of this movie from whatever you know yeah, whatever. he won best supporting actor 
So screenplay uh, one too, by the way. He has a line to, to them, you know. Uh, you know that, that this is the part of podcasting that is. I try not to fall into it. And we do it all the time, where when we both like a movie, we mm-hmm. just go, and then that and one then part that, we like, and then that. and then that one part we like. So and we're scattershot here. Uh, but if we can focus on that character, on Ben Bradley's character. Mm-hmm. He all of his lines are quotable, and he carries this gravitas that, as a human being, I don't have. I, I don't. I can't. You do, to be honest. Yeah, I, I. I mean, I have it with like my three-year-old. Like he's terrified of me, but uh, you know, I can. Come that across. won't last. I know. I know. He's gonna be like eight. And I'm be surprised like, it lasts. Now shut up, Dad. But he he says, uh, "You boys both tired," and you know they're like, "Yeah, man." He's like, uh, "You should be." And go home 15 minutes 15 clean minutes, up and get back, get back at, at, at work. Yeah. And that's essentially the end of the movie. Yeah. That's because it. then it cuts to them typing. You know, by the way, your your boy Tom Hanks played Ben Bradley in that movie, The Post. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw that that um It's not it's not that great. And it's it's, it's not it's not nearly this movie. I know you're not allowed to say this, but I didn't I, Meryl Streep's in that, right? Yeah. I did not enjoy her at all. Meryl Streep is I mean, she can be great. But sometimes she's not. Sometimes she's more like a caricature, I think, or she falls into her Meryl Streep kind of shtick. Yeah. She always seems like like the queen. You know, she exactly. always has this like sort of regal thing that it's like, it's I. Totally it's like, get. here's Meryl Streep, praise her performance. I don't have think. the gravitas of Meryl Streep either, you well, know? Few, like, again, few do. But, you know, but she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I once heard Meryl Streep being described as a great actress, but she has never been in a great movie. And I have a hard time arguing with that. She was in that one movie where she's the crazy public access TV cooking lady. But is that a great movie? No, Julia and that, Julia? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, look at, you know, De Niro was in Raging Bull or Pacino was in I've The never Godfather. Seen Bull. You know, Woodward or Redford is in this, but Meryl Streep has never been in a, she's been great in other movies, but she's never been in a great movie but anyway enough about are there any other characters that we wanted so we we hit bradley we hit woodward and bernstein maybe martin balsam's character i mean those are the the he's i can't remember what character he plays but he's He's the, the editor of the local desk he's the editor and he's the one who comes up with the name deep throat yeah and because here's a little trivia you may not know i know what what you're, I know what you're... Go ahead. Well, I mean, but the reason he called him Deep Throat because at the time this came... At the time it all happened, Deep Throat, which was a pornographic film, was a huge sensation. Like a hit. Like, it was a hit. Like a insane. hit. Like people went to go see it. Like Crit- not families, but couples <laughs> or like critics reviewed it. Right. And so it was like on everyone's mind. So that's why they, he's on deep backgrounds. So they call him Deep Throat. And I, he's kind of sheepish when he says like he's on deep backgrounds. So, so but throat. I think doesn't Bradley kind of chuckle like, huh. yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. You know, it's, yeah. Let's be honest. It's a bunch of men. So yeah, yeah, you know. it's funny. Yeah. Did you like how Holbrook as Deep Throat? Because, you know, he's kind of playing a character. No one knew what he looked like or. Um, yes. You know, the things I didn't like about that is they, they tried to, I, I've seen other movies do this more effectively where every once in a while, a guy will get in a car and he'll drive away real fast in the middle of their meeting. And you're supposed to be like, oh, man, they're, they're busted, but nothing comes of it. Well, yeah, I don't think, I mean, and you don't know. I mean, um, the guy who directed it, Alan Pakula, yeah. he also directed. Are sure it's not like Pacula? It might be Pacula. I honestly don't know. I don't but know. he directed we, another movie. Speak. That's our whole thing. He directed uh, The Parallax View. <laughs> okay. Which is a, a movie starring the other hunk of the uh, the 70s era, um, Warren Beatty. Okay. And it is a, it's sort of like a, not a fictional version of it. It came out two years earlier, but it's a very much a paranoid kind of movie. Like there were a lot of paranoid movies. Well, Network about, is kind of like a paranoid how movie. paranoid Zodiac is, right? Like Zodiac. I mean, it's all time intense, you know. But there are other scenes. I've seen other like attorney lawyer movies where there's like there, there's this new um, documentary coming out with Mark Ruffalo. Or not documentary. It's based on a documentary, but right. the, the um oh, it's the, the Todd Dupont, Haynes new movie, the, yeah, the Dupont yeah. thing, you know, in Ohio, um, where there's gonna be these scenes, you know, it's coming where like he's afraid for his life and he's kind of paranoid about what's in his mailbox. And there's a scene they show in the trailer where he goes to start his car and it's like, yeah, is that gonna blow up? They're they're giving you that feeling in the basement or whatever in the parking yeah. garage, but it's just it's like kind of half assed. It's just it's no, not I a, enough. But I don't think it's half. I mean, I think, and again, it's when this came out, there was that. You know, they build up the idea that maybe their lives are in danger. Yeah, 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 for sure. Then they come to that conclusion at the in end. In the Onion yeah. book, by the way, the, the Onion uh, Century book where they have fake pages from throughout. And yeah. Like the, I think in 1974, one, it, one of the little headlines at the bottom says, Deep Throat revealed to be Hal Holbrook, <laughs> who's the actor who played him in the movie. Oh. 
I get it. You know, sure. and Zodiac, you mentioned, I mean, Zodiac is heavily influenced by all the presidents. I, Man. I, I see that now. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. But yeah, but it's very, very much. clear to me. And um, the Parallax View, um, real quick back to that, is that's a great movie. And it's very paranoid. And in the end, lives are definitely in danger. I mean, lives are way in danger in this one. And since it's fictional, they can kill off a bunch of people. I liked all the little witness montages, like where they're trying Mm -hmm. to get people to talk. Uh, It's great. That's just the legwork of being a report. I mean, it's just you just sit and try to hope people will talk. Uh, I had to do that um, far less effectively after the... Valentine's Day massacre at Northern Illinois University in 2008. I remember that. I was a professional reporter for one month. One month and you know, you know what my first day was at the Register Star? A tornado came and took out Poplar Grove. I remember. And I I was like at a lunch uh with my boss, Chris Soprich, and with our phones rang. It's like you got to go now, you know? So that was my first day and then a month later, a shooter showed up at NIU. Uh, Northern Illinois University, and I think like 14 people died. Right? I, 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 I guess I don't know. The I remember number, working right? that weekend, like, because yeah, our I, editor wanted people on staff like 24 hours a day. I stayed in DeKalb. I had a cousin who lived there, so I just stayed. With I him. remember going in there and working with our old friend Dave Schultz, like staying yep. overnight. And what we d- ended up doing was uh, we ended up watching the Poseidon Adventure <laughs> at like two in the morning or something, yeah. right? Yeah, I think you told me that on like his little TV on his desk or whatever. Dave is like, he could have starred in all the presidents, but mm-hmm. he's that kind of crusty old editor oh, guy. Yeah, he's great. But I remember having to like find, look up victims, and then sure. look up their families, and then call them. I had a friend who worked at the which Register was, Star. By the way, awesome! That was great. That was a great job. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend at the Register Star. List. Imagine doing this when they released the sex offender list in Illinois for the first time. He had to go knock on doors and say, uh, "Your name is on this list. Are you this person?" <laughs> <laughs> wow, wouldn't that be fun? How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> that was a good day at work. But Jesus. I mean, the movie does have so much of that. You know, there's so many scenes of of Bernstein, especially going and sitting in these rooms and hope people who don't want to talk and he's just sitting there waiting to wear them down and he's writing notes on, you know, whatever, matchbooks and everything. And it's all crazy. I wish I didn't know that how much Woodward and Bernstein were involved in, in the writing of this movie, because there are moments now where they're they're glorified. Pretty oh, heavily, they are. Yeah. And I can see that it's like tainted now. I can kind of see that like. Where they're they're tricking people like there's a line I'm going to I'm going to play this clip for sure where Woodward says to Bernstein like you're acting nuts or you're acting crazy and he's like you'd be acting crazy too if you had 20 cups of coffee yeah. because he just kept asking for more coffee. He's at, yeah he's trying to be like casual like oh could I just have a cup of keep coffee. Keep me around keep me around the longer yeah. he's and he's like and it turns out he was there six hours. You wouldn't believe what was going on inside that woman I mean the stuff was just ready to pour out of her and I'm pouring down the cups of coffee trying to get it out of her before she throws me out of the house. Okay give me your notes so I can These get are the notes. These are the notes? Yeah I got stuff on napkins matchbooks I'm writing in the bathroom while she's getting the coffee I'm a walking litter basket. That's crazy here. how am I going to well, you'd be crazy, too, if you were operating on 20 cups of coffee. Well, uh, could you give me something I can get down? I got it. I got it all. And, you know, the one woman he's talking to, Jane Alexander, mm-hmm. she was nominated for an Oscar, too. Just that one scene she was wow. in. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And it's, you know, and there's this scene when they they hear, I can't remember where this, this little plot thread goes, but they hear that the White House was investigating uh, the Kennedy assassination, or Chappaquiddick or something. And so they go to the Library of Congress and they're they're like, well, you want all the records? Here they are. And they're just sitting there going through cards. And it, the camera pulls up into the rotunda of the Library of Congress and they play that. I mean, there's some... Yeah. This is visually... A, I mean, we talked about how like planes, trains... It looks good. It looks... This vis- is a visually striking so let, movie. So let's transition there. I, I don't recall it looking visual i I, you know i I watched it today and i remember thinking it's gritty a lot of like they do a really nice job of like you got to show a parking garage so big wide shot show the garage you need to show like the there's a couple cool shots where like the the secure parking lot for the post yeah you know i remember the overhead shots in the cars yeah we were like that's pretty neat like that must have been really hard in 1976 there were no drones and no cgi (laughs) so it was all helicopter but i don't distinctly remember much else there's a couple there's a lot of like in the newsroom shots but they i don't know i know but a lot of it isn't so much i don't don't say this disrespectfully yes you know a lot of it's not so much the angles but i think it's the lighting it's a movie that gets darker over time i mean and you you know you get scenes and it gets it's tighter and you know they they really know i mean it's a movie about guys on the phone for yeah. a lot of it and to make that visually interesting there's the i love this scene early on when 
Woodward is calling around and he's trying to find out who Chuck Colson is. You know, he's he's trying to find out who um Howard Hunt is. Half half these calls are like, who is this human? Yeah, like, what, are well, they, he, what are they? And do? he goes up and says like, who's Chuck Colson? He's like, I'm glad you came and asked me because they said you're so dumb. We got to fire this schmuck and this and that. And <laughs> and again, when this came out, everyone knew who all these that, that, people that's were. That's the thing I had a hard time with. I, I just uh, it all, is all the names there, and there's a lot. I mean, there's they a lot of like names and people, and they don't and. And the interesting thing about this movie, and I think it was a wise move, is nobody plays Nixon. Nobody plays Mitchell. Nobody plays Howard Hunt. These names that show up, they you see them on TV or you just hear the names. Yeah. Which is good because then you're not like, oh, that actor doesn't look like Nixon. Yeah. I mean, Nixon is this guy in the background the whole movie. Yeah. Um. Uh. By the way, the opening where, I mean, the opening and closing shots are really great because it's it's, they're very, there's like irony. Mm-hmm. It's where it's like I think the opening of the movie is Nixon's first inauguration. Maybe yeah, I, I forget what it is, but there's it's everybody's applauding democracy, and then and the end is the same thing. And but there's like this like little knife twist where you're like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, and again, this movie came out when everyone knew the ending, so you had to deliver the ending they knew, but in an interesting way. Yeah. Now we that's happened. There's I mean, there, maybe I'll pause here, but there are other movies where we can think of that where we know the ending going in. I mean, not saying it's impossible to write a movie like that, but that was one of the reasons it was tricky. It was very complicated. It's not like you could surprise people with what happens. They yeah. kind of knew what happened. What they didn't know is necessarily the legwork behind it. You know, yeah, so that's yeah. why they focus on. I love you know they have the scenes of Woodward like doodling on his pad. Yeah, you know that's. I mean, I've taken notes on the phone. That's what it's like. You're just farting around, and I always draw Ninja Turtles and monster trucks. That's <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, seriously, that's um. <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing I, I think I've gotten better at watching movies because of your friendship. You know, I'm able to watch something and recognize things that are happening. One thing I've never been able to catch up on ever in the moment is sort of directors like thematic tricks. Like I, if you told me that this movie starts off super bright and by the end, almost everything's in darkness and there's like a, a very intense the anti seven. Yeah, <laughs> it starts sure. out dark and ends up in complete brightness. I, I wouldn't have. I, I mean, and I it's not a see perfect moment, thing, but you know, no, I, and it's, I mean, and I, you know, I, re, you know, the first time I saw it, I didn't notice yeah. it, and I'm sure I read that somewhere. Like, in Seven, it every single scene outside, it's always raining until the end. I did notice that in I, Seven the first time, because in Seven, the beginning, it's, it's almost impossible to see what's going on. Yeah. It's like Solo, but they deliberate. Oh, that's mean. It's true, though. When I saw Solo, I couldn't tell what was going God, on. I wish that wouldn't have happened because now you'll I'll never be able to have the conversation with it's you about true. that movie again. I know. I'm sorry. But anyway. So, I'm actually, but, I'm kind of running out of steam on, on topics for this. You you did mention. We both love it. I mean, it's yeah. you know, sometimes. But I mean, and, and if you, ha- you know, the one thing we haven't mentioned is this movie is, sadly, for two reasons. It's very timely. And. I have a hard time seeing it playing out like it did now. People don't trust the press or people, you know, they, what they do is they seek out the media that confirms their bias. Oh yeah. I mean, I love Trump, so I'm going to watch Fox news. I hate Trump. So I'm going to watch any respectable (laughs) anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, and you watch this and you're like, what did Nixon do? Well, he, you know, and what's interesting is the break in, they sort, you know, this is kind of something that they don't really drive home, and maybe it was more obvious if you had lived through it. But they talk about the fact that Nixon was breaking the Democratic headquarters was the final step. They had they wanted to run against McGovern, George McGovern, because they thought he was a weak candidate. So they eliminated everybody else through yeah. various other means. Through pranks, they call it. Yeah, the rat fucking. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is what they call it. And yeah. I mean, that was that Donald Segretti character, and he, yeah. you know, With the weird teeth. The weird, yeah, he does. You know, he that actor was on a TV show with Ed Asner okay. in the late 70s. Do they both have just beautiful hair? Ed just Asner was bald from <laughs> Jump Street. I mean, but uh, but he did have weird teeth. I, I watched it this time. I'm like, did he always have that weird teeth? You know his weird teeth, too, is the Hooli uh, the <laughs> president in uh, Silicon Valley. Just when you watch the show, that guy's got oh, weird okay. teeth. Oh, okay. Gavin, Gavin Belson? Gavin, yeah. You'll have to watch that. But, um... And you know it. It's his is an interesting character because, you know, he's doing all these horrible things, and you hate him. But you kind of, you know, he says like, "I'm going to get disbarred, and I may go to jail." And you know, you get some nice moments with him and Bernstein because they're almost. You get the feeling they're kind of the same age, and they're kind of, you know, they they would like each other maybe if this weren't the circumstances. Right, right. I made it clear that I would not do anything violent or illegal. 
What do you mean by illegal? Watergate? I mean, that's the whole bugging. That's horrendous. And what kind of stuff do you guys do then? Nickel and dime stuff. Uh, stuff. Stuff with a little wit attached to it. I mean, when you sit out on the Muskie Station area that Senator Hubert Humphrey was going out with call girls. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if anything, it helped the man's image. <laughs> what, was the, what was the one on Muskie Station area that you sent out that said that Scoop Jackson was having a bastard child? So sometimes it got up to a quarter, off the record. I think, I think one of the most interesting ones was the Canuck letter. What about it? Come on. Will you claim that Muskie slurred the Canadian? No, I didn't write that. Do you know who did? Carl, when you guys print it in the papers, then I'll know. Smart guy, Don. You're no dummy. I'm a lawyer, Carl. I'm a lawyer. I'm a good lawyer. And I'll probably wind up going to jail and being disbarred. And uh, I don't know what I did that was so goddamn awful. You know, one of the things... Nixon resigns. Nixon doesn't get impeached, right? Mm-hmm. Or he, he did get impeached, right? No, he he resigned before he could be impeached. Well, there's you know there's the impeachment, and then there's the removal. They didn't complete the. Impeachment. They didn't even get through the House mm-hmm. side of it because the impeachment starts in the House, and the Senate does. Right. Okay, it, it, what happened was, which will never happen now, is a bunch of very high powered Republicans went to Nixon and said, "You don't have the votes. This is going to go. You know, you can, you'll be dragged out of here." Or you can there, There's no chance that happens. No, today. there's not. None. And you I mean, you can argue that, I mean, you know, obviously. I hate to get to contemporary with politics. But I, like, I've gone back and listened to older episodes of Out of Theaters where we're, like, talking about the election three years ago. And it's just a miserable I know. listen. It's, All we'll say is this is not going to happen now. No, no. Sadly. Um, but, I mean, but I will say once again, um, I highly recommend, well, reading both All the Friends Men. It's a very entertaining book. And if you like the movie, you'll like it. And But the final days goes into great detail about the back and forth and you know talking to Nixon and how Nixon was becoming more and more unbalanced and they had to you know they're worried what he's going to do and and all that so it's, yeah that those books are both available on the Apple bookstore right I now. highly recommend both of them I've read them both a couple times and they're very read read all the presidents men and at the end you'll be like but I want to know what happens next then you slide in the final days. yeah I, I was just I was impressed with the media literacy like when Woodward or Bernstein would go talk to a character. The character would say, this is on background. You can't source me right. for this. You can't, like, they all just knew exactly they how knew. to... Well, and again, they're all Washington people, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and this is going to sound bad, but... Well, I mean, you know, Zodiac came out, and it, it did not do well at the box office. No. And the Post... Well, the Post didn't do that well, but I've seen the Post. The Post, to me, is like this movie with too much emotion. Okay. This movie is... It's a clinical sort of movie there's plenty of emotion but it earns it it doesn't tell you how to feel yeah the post is like they'll have characters talking more about like how important this is what does this, this mean to that. journalism and the institutions exactly. and the relationships and and this like, has a scene at the end where bradley says it but he kind of is saying it as like a sarcastic joke yeah like he's kind of pissed at them but respects them nonetheless i this movie was made for what may be a smarter audience than there is now. Yeah. A more adult audience. And I mean adult in the best sense of the word. Not because there's no sex and there's no violence in this movie. There's a maybe one or two swears and that's it. Let me give you one more talking point before we wrap this up. Should this have beat Rocky for the best picture? I think it I mean, I think it's a better picture. Rocky is a fine, entertaining little character study. It's not a bad movie. Yeah. But I, frankly, I think this Taxi Driver or Network should have beaten it for Best Picture. It feels so, you know, as a as the younger man here, uh, it feels to me like the legacy of Taxi Driver is just so much more outsized compared to the other ones. Sure. Taxi Driver seems like a giant movie in comparison to those other ones. Uh, and part of that is because De Niro became... You know, there are a lot of people say De Niro is like the greatest film actor of ever. all time. Now, yeah, I yeah. mean, you can make arguments I, either I, way. People say that, though, and they're not saying that about about uh, Dustin Hoffman, right? No, I mean, I mean and Hoffman is, he's up there. You know, I like, by the way, I love his, like, natural twitchiness. That's that's a thing the two of us share in common. Yeah. <laughs> We're definitely more Bernstein than Redford. <laughs> and, you know, the weird thing is, is you can turn on CNN or something, and odds are, Woodward or Bernstein will be there yeah. speaking. Still working. Still working. You know, they've milked this, you know. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I like his natural neuroticism, that how it plays into all this stuff, uh, play, plays into the role. Um, 
So I don't think this should have beat Rocky, I think. Really? You well, think Rocky's a... Now, okay, let me ask you a question. I don't. Do you think Rocky's a better Oscar sort of movie? Do you think Rocky's a better movie than I think this? this movie is too genre, too too complicated, too... It's not broad enough. But I... Well, to, I mean, I, I would agree it's not nearly as broad as Rocky, but I think it's a way better movie than I, Rocky. I agree, but, yeah. but I, think, I think the Academy Awards specifically, because awards are dumb. Awards and, are dumb. And let's... But, but the Academy Awards specifically is always trying to find the intersection of popularity and critically you're acclaimed. right and i mean let's be honest I, there are maybe in the history of the oscars which is like 80 years or something there are maybe five times the best picture was that year's actual best picture sure i would argue the apartment in 1960 although you can make a case that psycho deserved to beat it you know i mean yeah yeah psychos are culturally speaking psychos had yeah. far more of an impact than the apartment sure i mean but you know what i can't what won the oscar last year green book <sighs> i mean Did was it? that the best movie of the year i can't even remember I thought people. Oh, they did win because people were mad about it. But yeah. I couldn't remember if that Lady Gaga um, and and Phil from the Hangover movie. Phil from the Hangover movie. <laughs> do you mean Rocket Raccoon? <laughs> <laughs> I do mean Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, uh, I I think um, one thing too about Rocky is uh, we we talked about this a little off the air, but uh, Rocky's got such long, long, long takes where Rocky's talking to himself, where he seems like mentally unfit he seems like a very low iq something's wrong or not wrong but like there's something off about rocky not and not in like a quirky way but like like i think has honest mental problems yeah they're trying to show like like a slow guy this is a slow like he's a palooka and he meets he meets adrian and she's the same she's like catatonic in her little in the pet shop she's at like it's it's what's her what's the actress's name talia shire coppola's uh, sister they're they're uh they're made for each other because they're both like so inarticulate and they're they're not deep thinkers and you know they're yeah. uncomfortable people. By by the end, they're both just like rich and famous. Well, not by the end of the first movie. No, no, by, no, the, by the, end the end of the, of the series. series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the first Rocky is very different than any of the others. And you oh. know, Stallone wrote that script and would not sell it if he couldn't play Rocky. I heard that, they which were, is a ballsy maneuver for a guy who's struggling. Like Ten grand or something, and he was like, he had nothing. He had know? nothing, and I mean, more credit to Sloan. And by the way, and I told you this off air, but one of my favorite trivia facts about Rocky is in the movie, which came out in 1976, Rocky has his little turtles, Cuff and Link. Mm-hmm. Stallone still owns those same turtles, because <laughs> turtles live forever. They don't move. They don't have to exert any energy That's at right. all. But I mean, they'll, you know, they'll probably outlive Stallone. Do you have any final thoughts on all the president's men? Um, I mean, this, I, I love this movie. I don't know if it makes my top 10 favorite movies, but it definitely makes like my top 50 favorite movies. Yeah, I've that, watched that, it a ton of times and I find it endlessly entertaining. It's, there's so much nuance. It's a really good character movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's funny. And a how, good plot movie. I mean, it, it, it sucks yeah, yeah. you in. It yeah, does. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Although it's like, it's almost like the specific people they call, the specific rejections they get, that doesn't really matter. It's more like just... You, you're supposed to get this hint that it's not working. It's not going well until it does, until they get their... I think the breakthrough is with the the, the actress you said she won or was nominated for Supporting Actress, mm-hmm. where she finally breaks down and tells them stuff uh, by yeah, initial... Yeah, Jane Alexander, yeah. Yeah. You know, by the way, um, the guy who plays uh, Hugh Sloan, the... Uh, He's the young attorney who's one of the 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 guys like the the good guys of the movie. The guy who's like you know is he's the, he's the young guy who's a young wife and she's pregnant. And yeah, they go yeah. Talk he, to he, she made him quit. Yeah, and he's like you know he seems like a decent man who got caught up in things that he's not you know and he tries to do the right thing. Ironically, he's played by Stephen Collins, young Stephen Collins, who in real life. Um, has uh, been uh, alleged to um, he can he, not alleged he admitted to uh, having sex with female minors. <laughs> so uh, one of the good guys in the movie, not is, such a great guy in real life, not such a great guy. <laughs> you know the the big plot line on there. Uh, he he tells them or confirms sort of with a nod that he implicates somebody in a grand jury testimony, which are supposed to be secret, right? Um, and so they run with that story, and, and then, then he denies it because he was never asked. Right. I know. And that's interesting. Is That's like a big, because they're like, you know, they say, because, you know, that's where the, you know, in the movie they used the term non-denial denial when they're like, we find these charges ridiculous and blah, blah. That's, a, you know, you're not yeah, denying them. Yeah, you didn't them, say it didn't happen. You right. Just, but they have that actual clip of uh, the 
Nixon press secretary saying, "We deny this. This did not happen. That's an actual denial." And, and so they they're going to re- they're going to resign if they've screwed it up. So, you know? but that well, that's that is so fascinating because in 1976, somebody in a position of authority saying that didn't happen. You took that person at their word. Mm-hmm. And in yeah. 2019, every single person is lying. Yeah, I know. All of them. And it is illegal to leak grand jury testimony. Sure. Yeah. It's, it should be illegal to lie. And is, what, what was, um, who's the one who got on TV and said, it, it was Trump's uh, Lewandowski, Corey yeah. Lewandowski, mm-hmm. got on CNN and said, I have no obligation to tell the truth to anybody except mm-hmm. attorneys and the, you know, and the judges or whatever. Like he said, I can lie to the media. There's that's not a crime. And it, it isn't a crime to lie to the media. So it's shocking how that one denial completely upended Woodward and Bernstein's entire case. Right. And they had to reevaluate and get yeah. more confirmation because they took it seriously and, and everyone took it seriously back then. And we just don't do that now. Oh. Just every, it's, I don't know how to rectify that. And, and they know, and the people who root for Trump are like Corey Lewandowski sticking it to the press. It's like, it's no, like, he's not. He's just he's sticking lying. it to you, you morons. Cause it's, that's, you know, you're not going to talk to him. You have to trust somebody to tell you what's true and what's not. And, and you can't just trust uh, whatever. I, I sorry mean, to leave as many attendant. people have said, Nixon, it looks like a, a liberal saint compared to what's going on now. And Nixon committed horrible crimes. I mean, Nixon, besides all this, Nixon kept the Vietnam War going for years longer than it had to, strictly for political reasons, which caused the deaths of thousands of Vietnamese yeah. lives and hundreds of American yeah, lives. people so, are dead because Nixon because wanted Nixon. to keep that so, up for, yeah. Nixon was no saint. However, he yeah, was not yeah. the last bad president that we had. And with anyway, that, with that happy look at the future, <laughs> we say go out and vote next year. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Um, but good movie, huh? Good movie, real good movie. I'm glad I watched it. Um, it's what a contrast to last week's planes and trains. And other <laughs> I'm beginning to think that I'm like, I'm losing my sense of like enjoyment. Humor? Yeah, what? like because every time I see something that's not all the president's men, I'm like, well, this is no good. I know. And this, this was not- a, I mean, this movie for all its seriousness is very entertaining. It is entertaining. It's Although not. I, it's I, not I, a I dry say, treatise. Would you show this to Allie? And what, what do you think she would say? This movie's rated PG. I would show it to her, um, but I again, think she wouldn't get it. She I, may, well, she may. I mean, yeah, this one she'd probably tune out. Although she's sometimes she's surprising me what she will watch. Okay, this one I think for maybe the same reason you got held up by it is she's going to get confused by all the names. Yeah, it's I mean, hard. the proper having read the book and having read other books about the Nixon era, I know who these people you just, are. The thing is, you you're dropped into a character, and it's like, oh my god, that guy was the former assistant. Yeah. Speaker of the and house, it was, or whatever you know. You're yeah. like, I. But and I it was common knowledge back then. But now you're right. It's and not. In a book, it's you not. get you know background. You get yeah. to learn all about this person, and then they tell you what's going on. And For I've read, we, I've read like I've read a great book called Nixon Land. It's about that whole era, and I I've seen the movie Nixon, where all these characters are played by actors on camera: Ehrlichman and Haldeman and Colson and Do you Dean. Have a job? I have a job. How do you accomplish other stuff? I'm Superman, buddy. <laughs> With that. What are we watching next week, Will? You know, I'm looking at our website, outoftheaters.com. Check it out. And at the bottom, we have sort of episodes by decade. Right. We have, there's a little filter you can kind of by director, by year. And this is, uh, this is our current incarnation. So right. we've got, you know, one from the 40s. We got the 50s, two from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 2000s, none from the 90s. Yeah, that's were the '90s a bad decade for movies, or do we just no? I mean, in fact, somewhat. There's a lot. There was a book that came out recently. I read, and a lot of critics have said 1999 was a landmark year for movies. Like, let me tell you, you know, an embarrassing fact. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You weren't alive in 1999. No, I was. I was. I was. <laughs> I was a junior in high school. 1999. I was a senior in high school. That's before junior? we knew each other, though, Billy. Sophomore. I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. I don't know. Whatever. I was here at the Registrar. <clears throat> uh, I was. And I was a junior because it was the first year I ever got drunk. I got drunk on 1999, uh, the, the uh, Y2K. There was like this among my friends. I had to all, work at the stupid paper on Y2K. I couldn't even get drunk. That's so funny. I was like, I went to a party and everybody was like, well, the world's ending. Fuck it. <laughs> we all drank. At that point, you knew it. it wasn't going to end though. Yeah, France no, I know. had survived. Why so. did, but I, wasn't, I was 16. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, but for the longest time, uh, I used to tell people, they'd ask me what my favorite movie was and I would say... 1999's American Beauty. Oh, now, well, it won the Oscar. I think with some high, which is going to be, that's interesting because maybe, all right, so here's what I think. Let's, I would, I'd like to do that movie again. I haven't seen it recently. I I, I really, haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. I think I saw it a couple times since then, but um, I do, it's weird, right? Because 
I do remember and thinking Kevin Spacey's character is likable. Like well, there are moments where I laugh. He's funny. And this is a movie. It's interesting because Kevin Spacey's reputation is definitely it's dead. over. I mean, yeah, he's it's done, done. Right. And the movie's reputation, sort of aside from Kevin Spacey, I think it slid considerably. I since completely then. agree. It was. It's like. It's weird, man. It was a prestige movie. It was like the Mad Men of its time. It was. And it's like finding out 10 years later, like, oh, no, Mad Men sucked. And it actually sucked. That seems to be the right. consensus. But I haven't seen it since then. So I'm curious to see how it looks 20 years later. That It won Best Picture. Uh-huh. Um, but there, 99 is one of those years, like Sixth Sense, Matrix. There's a bunch of other Fight stuff. Fight Club. Yeah, we, we did Office, Fight Club On Office Space, we did. I mean, I, there's stuff like the South Park movie came out that year. I looked this up a minute ago. Austin Powers came out that Austin year. Austin Powers came out that year. As you referenced last year. week. I mean, great stuff like Malkovich, Election, Three Kings, um, <laughs> Phantom Menace. I, oh, God. <laughs> you know what? No, that's, that's it. Let's do Phantom Menace. Really? No. <laughs> I saw that in the theater. I saw it in the theater, too. You know what, Billy? Everyone saw that in the theater because it was the new Star Wars movie. We thought it was going to be great. I stood in line for 12 hours to see that no, movie. No, I didn't do that. that. I have a very tragic story that I once shared to Facebook about the Phantom Menace that I don't want to get into. There's a great, there's a, a book called How Star Wars Conquered the World, which I highly recommend. It goes into insane detail of everything from Lucas's childhood to the release of, I forget what, it, the the newest Star Wars movie. But they t- they cover that Phantom Menace waiting in line thing. Yeah. And they, the San Francisco theaters where it all got started because that was kind of Lucas's home turf yeah and they have all the people that are so excited there's a guy proposed to his wife before and they sit down and the movie starts and when it when the movie's over they're all sitting there like oh no oh no like what have what we devoted life? our lives to yeah. <laughs> so but, let's not do the phantom Man. no let's do like the matrix let's uh, let's compare that that's a great yeah let's do um we're at the end of the decade here too right like 2019 is wrapping up mm-hmm. so Let's, let's let's do American Beauty, okay? And I, which I, won the Oscar, and then like the, like let's do the, we already did Fight Club, so let's do the Matrix, let's do the, which was I remember um, I remember seeing the trailer for the Matrix during the Super Bowl, and at that point when you heard science fiction Keanu Reeves, you thought the movie Johnny Mnemonic, which right. was not good and bombed. Yep. So this new one comes out, and everyone was like, "What's this?" Right? It looked interesting, but you were worried. It looks interesting, but it's going to be terrible. You know, and every every terrible idiot I knew in high school was just obsessed with this movie. There was this kid. He actually was a nice guy, also named Phil, not from The Hangover, who worked at Sam Goody with me. We both worked Sam at Sam Goody. Goody. And he what a different changed era that was. his name badge from Phil to Neo. And I remember asking him, I was like, why Why does it say Neo? That's dumb. And he was like, dude, The Matrix. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Oh, He's man. like... You should see the Matrix. It's life changing, and I, I just on principle was like, I'm not watching that. Now. Well, and I, in your <laughs> defense, if somebody had described to me like that, I'd be like, ah, I'm out. That, but, that's what I did. I was out though. I'm telling you, I was out until like six years ago. I, I watched the Matrix op- for the first time in like 20, I don't know, 2012. I saw it opening weekend, and I remember going in. All anyone was talking about that spring was Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace, yeah. the new Star Wars. And when that movie's over, we're like. Star Wars is going to really have to be something great to top that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so even that, even that corny scene at the end. I, yeah, I'm. I, all right. Yeah, let's let's, let's do so American Beauty American next Beauty week, and then we'll look at the Matrix. The Matrix and if that. you're listening and you have any thoughts on either movie, send them our way. Yeah, Twitter.com slash Out of Theaters or Facebook, Facebook slash Out of Theaters. You know, Out of Theaters. That's the name. Yeah. God damn it! Leave us an iTunes review. That's right. We want those iTunes reviews, please. And we want five stars. Until next week, we'll miss uh, you all. Most of all. Most of all. Thank you.